At WakeMed MyCare 365, we deliver convenience others only talk about every day of the year. Primary care and urgent care under one roof. Multiple locations, virtual visits, walk-in or schedule an appointment online. From annual physicals and routine care to sinus infection, strep, or the flu, we couldn't be more convenient. Learn more about our kind of care and our kind of convenience at wakemed.org. So, John, what do you remember about June 23rd, 2000, and the big Keith Primo, Jean-Marc Peltier trade? I remember uh, vividly asking a question about the goalie. So um, <laughs> at, at the end of the press conference, after everybody had exhausted the obvious questions about the two principal uh, players involved, I asked Jimmy about Jean-Marc Peltier. And he went into this long uh, explanation about uh, his potential and who he was <laughs> and all that. And I left uh, believing that the Canes had just acquired Jacques Plante or someone close. <laughs> uh, well, he he did help the Hurricanes acquire Patrick DeRocher. Correct. Yeah. Correct, who was, I guess, Gump Worsley. <laughs> uh, I mean, I still, I'm still kind of amazed. Now, Jim Rutherford made some amazing trades in his career. I mean, we all know he's in the Hall of Fame for a reason, and, and you and I both really enjoyed that moment watching him get into the Hall. Um, I still, for the life of me, cannot figure out how Rod Brindamore was ever traded from Philadelphia anywhere and how Jim and I mean, look there, there I'm sure there were things behind the scenes we have no idea about there have been rumors and I don't even care I mean he had 601 points he was popular yeah. in Philadelphia and suddenly it's the greatest thing that ever well, you and I agree greatest thing that ever happened to this franchise short of moving here uh, it's just amazing I still can't believe it yeah and the Flyers traded one of their own Hall of Famers. Yeah. Can you believe it? So at a at a young age, at an age where obviously he could make such a significant impact on another team. So that in itself was amazing. And and getting a goalie was kind of interesting too because as, as I recall, there weren't any young goalies in the system for the Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until 2002 when they drafted a young guy named Cam Ward, right? So... Um, that was uh, another piece, and it looked like a, a great deal on all fronts, and it certainly was. It was a, a significant trade that was a game-changer, changed this franchise, and we're still seeing why today. This is the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the host of the Canes Corner Podcast, Adam Gold. Welcome to the Canes Corner Podcast. I am Adam Gold. Thank you very much for joining us. Invite you to subscribe to this, download it, rate it if you want, don't rate it if you don't want, doesn't matter. If you like it, let me know. If you don't like it, let me know what you'd like to hear instead. Uh, We have an old friend coming back because we don't do as many of the generic weekday podcasts as we used to because we're doing one after every game, so there isn't as much urgency, but we've got some time, so I thought we would bring back our old friend John Forslund. We'll get to him in just a second. Bill Berniston will also be here uh, at the end of the podcast if you want a little bit of insight into the 
training regimen. I don't think regimen we get into, uh, but training a 38-year-old guy midseason who hasn't been part of the organization. Uh, and we'll tell you from Bill's perspective what it is for Justin Williams to come back at this stage of the game. But before we get to that, and Bill Bernison will be at the end of the podcast, my friend, the voice of the Carolina Hurricanes, John Forsland, who because we do these things post-game all the time, we have not had John on the podcast in a long time. I don't remember the last time we talked to John. It's probably been six weeks. We don't. We never go that long. But I'm just wondering, John, the voice of the Carolina Hurricanes, because it has been so long, in a way, a mid-season return, do you feel like Justin Williams? I'll never feel like Justin Williams. I've come to grips with that. I will never feel like Justin Williams, and I'm okay with that. What an what an amazing uh, story, isn't it? And and you and I talked uh, all summer about the potential of him coming back, and then when he made his decision, you know, what would it mean, and what would we see when he actually does come back if that does happen? It did, and then wow, I mean. Uh, <laughs> Unbelievable. I, I I still can't believe it, honestly. I don't think we're uh, overselling this one. No, you uh, you gave it that's hockey baby treatment in the shootout. I don't recall that ever happening in a shootout. Never here. happened. Uh, nope. But, I mean, I, I mean, I actually thought it was, at this point, almost ludicrous. And the first thing I said to James Reimer, I said, do you know who wrote the script on this one? Because it really was. It was a storybook thing. First night regardless of what round of the shootout it was, it was just, it, and he played well. I mean, Carol, he was one of Carolina's best forwards in the game. I think he's been Carolina's, one of Carolina's best forwards in both games. But just that opening night with all the emotion of all of it, I mean, it was just ridiculous. So electric, and, and I think getting back to the phrase, and you know me well, I mm-hmm. mean, I don't consider the shootout anything close to hockey, okay? Right. I don't <laughs> like the shootout. I abhor the shootout. I haven't liked it from day one. I didn't like it in the 80s when I saw it in the American Hockey League and they scrapped it. So it is what it is. We live with it. And it is good to, you know, tie a game together and give the fans some closure. And it it does have some exciting moments. That was off the charts. (laughs) And uh, absolutely incredible. The, The selection of when it happened. The fact that, you know, he went five-hole on, on a pretty good goalie yeah. who had played really well, make, made the goalie look like me, and then to have the subsequent shot stopped by Reimer to end it there. Could have continued, sure. didn't. And uh, we get what we got out of that game. It was it was truly, truly remarkable. I, I've already talked about this. I actually believe that Anders Lee had no chance. No chance. There was he, – and he – he didn't really do much to James. I knew I'd put a shot, but uh, James got his left pad on it. But I really right. thought that Anders Lee had no chance on that based on what everybody just saw. Because there was some conversation, I thought, with the um, with Islander players and Williams. It was almost like they were welcoming him back during yeah. the game. There was some chatter going back and forth. And I, it looked to me like, hey, welcome back, old man, or whatever it was. Uh, but it was uh, it was absolutely rem- remarkable. We talked to Justin in the locker room after it, and you could tell. I mean, a he didn't expect to go. He he he. I think he said, "I thought I was on the ten to twelve sheet," and yeah. but he saw he he said, "Look, he's a patient goalie." So I essentially I wasn't going to give him a chance to be patient, mm-hmm. and 
I, I don't know if that doesn't describe a lot about what Justin Williams is about, the way he thinks the game. Uh, yeah. But he went in, he went out there with a plan, which maybe everybody should do. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at his second game, you look at those sequences, you know, in and around faceoffs where he's positioning guys and mm-hmm. telling guys where to go and, and they do it. <laughs> you know, there's no pushback. I really believe that as this moves along, they're going to get so much uh, impact from him as a player. But it's the things we never hear about, the, the meetings he has with guys individually and collectively, you know, after Rod's done, that are going to help this team. And they're going to need it. They're going to need everything about him to make the playoffs. So um, it, it was well-timed. I think he deserves it. I, I think uh, you can see the real emotion in his post-game interview. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he went through some stuff, I think, to, to get to the point where he was in September where he couldn't do it. Um, there's there's some things that only he knows about uh, in terms of his decision-making process and how emotional it was for him to finally uh, step aside and just not be ready, as he said, and then come back and play the way he did and then just walk into that room. And, and, and he'll do it the right way, too. He, he'll He'll make sure that this is Jordan Stahl's team, and mm-hmm. it should be. And he'll know exactly how to handle himself within the constraints of all that. Yeah, I mean, he's as good as there's ever been. And I think having been around the team in 06, and obviously he was a huge part of that team in 06, uh, the, those were his best offensive seasons, 06, 07. Um, but knowing how much leadership there was on those two teams and how many guys uh, were great leaders who never wore a letter. One of his good friends, Eric Cole, never wore a letter, and he was a good leader uh, when he was here as well. But he said something the next game after scoring two goals. wasn't about him. It was about the great plays made by others, Teravainen, Svechnikov. Uh, and he even went as far, and we're going to talk about him in a second, he even went as far as to single out Eric Halla for being a guy who knows where to be on the ice. Th- right. Those little things, they resonate uh, with a team and a group of guys that need each other to get to where they want to go. Absolutely. And it just gets to a level of respect, which is built into this guy's makeup and his teammates completely get it. I don't think there's another player with another team that could pull this off the way he's about to. And we talk about it with confidence as observers, right? We, Mm -hmm. we know that I think the fans understand that too. They just expect it. And I, I think, you know, the, just in time uh, signs are, you know, <laughs> kind of spotted around the arena. Yeah, it's great. I mean, that's that's exactly it. So the fans understand that. And um, I, I, you know, getting back to '06, as a young player, maybe he saw how Doug Wake came into the room, how mm-hmm. Mark Recchi came into the room. And they were leaders with their previous teams and had been. But those guys walked in and just kind of with a new team found their place and led to a, to a degree, but did it correctly. And and players always take something with them season to season. Great players do. This guy's in his 19th year. But he is about the Hurricanes. Yeah. And, and so you have Tim and it's Rod and, and so on. And so um, that's the beauty of this. It's not just a, 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 a marquee player coming back or deciding to play like if he had – 
God forbid, gone to Washington or Tampa right. or one of these other teams, Toronto, would have been big, big news and a huge acquisition for those teams. But it's different when you're a hurricane, and he's a true hurricane. Yeah, it's funny. I never, with, with all of the speculation out there, and I get why it's out there, because if I were Tampa or if I were Washington or Toronto, I'd be interested in Justin Williams, too. And I right. would let everybody in the world know that I was interested in Justin Williams, too. But I never, I couldn't close my eyes, uh, certainly not once the season started. I couldn't close my eyes and imagine Williams playing in another uniform because I do know that uh, his word means a lot. And when he came back, it was about coming back to this franchise. And I know there are other things. There's money involved and uh, all of that. But I do, I did believe that he was about the Hurricanes, and I never thought he would go anywhere else. And it would have been weird. Uh, could you imagine a game coming coming back in another uniform? Uh, no. Yeah, I just no. I couldn't I couldn't fathom that whole thing happening. So I never thought he was if he was going to play, it was going to be here. And if it didn't work out here, well, he wasn't going to play. Right, because if if he went somewhere else, you talk about unnatural circumstances. Just seeing him in a different uniform would have been crazy. But then the questions that the management, the owner would have to answer about why. Right. <laughs> um, that in it that in itself might have been enough of a distraction to derail whatever the Hurricanes are attempting to do. I, I don't think that's a reach. I think that would have been catastrophic for the team to see him go to another team and the fans get kind of led down a path and, you know, he's training with the team, he's using facilities, he's working out, he's passed his physical testing. Yeah. And now you can't do a deal? Well, how come? <laughs> right. And some kind of truth would have come out of that. So thank goodness that it all worked out. And uh, he's on the team, and we'll see what he brings. And it's only going to get heightened now as, uh, as the weeks go by. Oh, no question about it. All right, let's move on to uh, the player I referenced uh, in Williams' last comments, Eric Halla, who got off to a great start. Uh, scored a bunch of goals. He basically was on a go- pace for 40 goals. Then the knee injury flares up. Uh, the uh, really an old injury, but complications from it that happened a couple a year ago. Uh, and he comes back and he scores that goal. I think it was New Year's Eve against Montreal. He scores a big goal. Uh, and I don't believe he scored since. It's nine without a get, not a without a goal. A couple of assists in there. Um, and he's come off his game. You can tell by his ice time the last few nights out. Uh, his ice time was fifth, under 15 minutes. Uh, and that's a pretty good uh, telltale sign when you're playing for Rod Brindamore because he doles out ice time based on merit. And uh, and then uh, we we have the rumors of a rift between the coach and the player and a healthy scratch. And uh, there's a lot said. But th- they're, they're not a better team without Eric Halla. How does this... I don't know. What are your thoughts on this whole situation? Well, it's up to Eric, and it's up to Eric, and I'm going to try and simplify this without you know, a long-winded answer because I think it could become a long-winded answer. But, you know, for Rod to take Jordan Martinuk out of the first game, I think that was difficult. Oh, yeah. Someone had to come out, okay? And so now it's his decision as to who. And to take one of your captains out of the lineup, if you have your place in Justin Williams' first game, you better deliver in all ways. And Rod is very patient with players and understands that, you know, what he expects out of guys sometimes isn't always going to happen, especially offensive players, players who want to put some numbers on the board. 
players who are, and I think it's human nature, looking at the next step, mm-hmm. whether it be with this team or another contract somewhere else. You have to get the numbers to substantiate that. And so you get to the Islanders game, and, you know, he, 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 he decides to take Martinuk out because the team is struggling to score. It scored, you know, the one goal in the previous game. Right. You have a new guy back, and Dezingle, Natchez, and Halla have been a productive line. So leave them together. It gives the team its best chance to score. And then in a tight-checking game that for the time of year had playoff identity attached sure. to it, maybe some ramifications, we'll see. He loses his check late in the second period. And I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here. I'm, I'm looking at the game and trying to provide a reason. And then we see in the third period he doesn't play that much. So Rod wasn't happy. Yeah, He loses a box out to Anders Lee, and he shouldn't have. And so if you're not going to do that, and, I, and, and I'm speaking for Rod, and I'm the coach, and I take out a, a guy who who's, has intrinsic value to leadership just because I think I have better players, and you do that, then you're not going to play, and you're probably going to be the next guy out. And the biggest misnomer I think that's attached to this Williams return is we're going to have a rotation of players. No chance. <laughs> the games are too important. So barring injury, if you're not bringing everything you can, you're coming out. And for the first time, he has, he being Rod, has the authority to do this and the personnel to do this. And so I think it's going to work out. And in Eric's case, you come back. I see him playing against Vegas because it's his former team. He deserves to come back in and get a second opportunity and do things correctly, and you're good. Because if you're not going to score, do things to help the team win. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's you know, yes, it's one play, but it was a big play. And, and you lose the room. And now that he has Williams back, Williams will point it out to his peers. And that was what was so great, as you know, in the first year of, of Rod's coaching is the fact that he had the condo and he had yeah. Williams to take it to the players. And now with him back, he's going to be able to sell more of his message. And I think, to be fair, it's been hard for him to sell his message of being complete as players with some of the newer guys who, you know, in the worst of times, kind of go off on their own agenda mm-hmm. on the ice. He's not going to stand for that. Yeah, it was uh, – and I think – I think there also must have been, I mean, I'm speculating here completely. There had to be have been a conversation between Brenda Moore and Halla, uh, because on Saturday's practice, for Saturday's practice before the, or rather Monday's practice before the Tuesday game, um, it looked to me, or looked to everybody who was there, that we were going to have somebody come off that fourth line, because they were rotating amongst themselves uh, Williams was taking every shift, but sometimes McGinn took a uh, took a, a drill off, or even Walmart took a drill off, and, or Martinook. And Martinook was very frustrated even after that practice on Monday because he just said, "I just want to play. I don't care." Uh, right. So, um, and they and Rod had left that top that third line together, the Hall of Zingle Natchez line together for the entire practice. So there must have been something also uh, in the communication. Uh, where Rod was giving him a chance, maybe. I get, I'm totally speculating. Um, and it didn't work out the way Rod wanted, so Rod went, you know what? This is the way it's going to have to be, to, maybe to get my point across. Right. Uh, or you know, and or maybe his decision was already made. Uh, but I agree, I think Holla will come back in against Vegas next Friday night. 
And we'll see. Because I do think that he's probably frustrated. He had such a great start. He was probably thinking about, you know, a 30-goal season and a huge contract for next year. And then the injury and now a little drought. So there's a lot of things going on right now that probably aren't working in his favor. And, you know, he's he's had his spot on the first power play unit all season. Mm -hmm. And in that game, you know, Williams moves in. And again, he looks like he'd been there all year. We right. kind of joked on the air that he must—he must have really been working hard with those AAA kids on the power play, <laughs> because he, he fits like a glove right now. It's amazing. So what happens with that? Eric um, is a very good player, uh, but again, I, I, I think if you want to look at both sides of it, his side is I need to play more. I need to—I can—I can help us score. Um, he probably looks at Jordan Stahl, who is an elite defensive player who's a the captain of the team and mm-hmm. you know probably feels that in certain situations I could play with Svechnikov I could play with better players and probably put up better numbers but are you are you going to fall into the team concept and there's plenty of time for him to do that and I don't think he's you know entirely selfish I just think sometimes it gets away from players and and maybe this is a wake up call that he needs, and then he'll see what this is all about. Some of these newer guys, the new guys that have come in here, they like coming to Carolina, but they don't under really understand what this is all about. Nobody does until they get here. No one understands what Rod has done for this franchise mm-hmm. unless you've lived it. Yeah. No one understands Justin Williams' place with this franchise unless you've lived it because he went to L.A. and and took it to another place with Mm -hmm. a great team, right? Yep. So even his peers, even when they come in the room, they're like, what what is actually going on? (laughs) Oh, there is a hurricane way to play. Yeah. There is an identity. Uh Aha. Okay, well, I'm on board or I'm not. And not every player is the same. And so I think we're at a crossroads. It's up to up to this player, Hala, to get back in the lineup and prove that he can make a solid contribution in all ways, and everybody can live with that. And as far as who you know practices, probably you know you you painted it perfectly. Maybe the decision was made after the practice, and there's a chance it wasn't. Right, and I no there's going to be a lot of smoke and mirrors with this too. Because the last thing Rod needs is for all of us to sit around and say, "Oh, here's the storyline <laughs> of the day: is who's out." Right. He doesn't need that on the day before the game or the morning of, but knowing that there was no morning skate, that was handled perfectly. I actually think there's a a conversation to be had about culture and having something invested in this. And I believe that, and we're going to talk about the player here who's now out for the rest of the season, at least the regular season, Dougie Hamilton. I think there was that was also part of Dougie's adjustment last year, right. and at I mean there was an injury, there was a, a hand injury which certainly impeded him in the first half. Um, but I think what we're seeing here is Dougie Hamilton, or what we saw, because of course, unfortunately, he's out now. But what we saw for the first forty-five games was somebody who was invested, um, and came to the realization how much he loved it here and had bought in completely was, I mean, the defensive part of Dougie Hamilton's game. This is the argument I've had with people is like, we've never seen that before. We saw, we saw a different player for the first, 
you know, certainly the first 30 some odd games of that. Right. Uh, there was some dip, but there's always a dip in everybody's game. So I'm not banging him for that. But uh, that, and I think the investment, the, the, the personal emotional investment mattered to Hamilton. And I guess we're not, we haven't necessarily seen that with some of the new guys, but I think that's a big part of why Dougie had such a great first half. I agree because in the, in the previous year, I know some of the conversations, you know, I had with Dean Chanelf, you know, you know, the assistant coach who, who runs the, the back end. And he was trying to figure out a way to get to Dougie Hamilton. He was trying to figure out the best way to handle this player. You've been given this, this, this guy who is gifted, who has tremendous talent, who's been typecast in not one but two places as an outsider within his own locker room. And how, how are you going to get more out of him? Realizing that with this team, he's playing with your best defenseman, arguably your best player in Slavin, mm-hmm. and they're going to get top-end minutes. And it's kind of hard to hide Dougie Hamilton down the lineup um, because he's not that type of player, and it's a huge trade to get him. So there's a lot of mechanisms in play here. And within that first year, it was hard for Chanel to figure out a way to, to motivate him a little bit and not ruin his confidence, get on his side, and everybody understand that, you know what, we're in your corner here. I think the playoffs took that to another level because when it went south on Dougie in the Washington series, it would have been very easy for people to throw their arms up and just say, you know what, uh, you're on your own with that one. But, right. Um, they stood behind him. The fans did. Everything kind of – and I think he's never forgotten that. He comes back for the second year with more confidence. And I think the great thing, one conversation I had with Dougie this season was the fact that he cannot believe how different it is to walk around or go out in town and get recognized now. So when he gets here, he's no different than most when they come to Carolina for the first time. Okay, they've got a team. That's nice. <laughs> Area's nice. Yeah. Um, the weather's better than most places. Uh, people are real friendly, and nobody cares, and nobody pays attention, and I've got room to breathe. Most athletes will welcome that, but at some point, they, they, everybody has an ego. Mm-hmm. And now what's happened is they are getting recognized for all of their great work, and they're loving it, and the stands are full. And he said, you know what? This is great now. So he's actually um, uh, kind of uh, embracing what he didn't like, supposedly, in Boston. He didn't like in Calgary was all the attention because it became a negative for him. Right. All the attention now is a positive. And outside uh, sound sounding like Dr. Phil here. I just think he's, <laughs> I just think it's, it's, it's healthy for him for the first time in his career. He has a, a kind of a healthy mindset. So he saw all of that until the unfortunate injury. Um, but you know what? It, it, it is part of what uh, Rod has been able to do here. Justin Jordan stall. I mean, and, and, and newer guys like, like Martin who came in yeah. and jumped right into the deep end with this. So, um, yeah, I, I think they have something special in terms of identity, and uh, that's something you can't lose sight of. Yeah, and it's it's interesting when you see guys uh, get it. It'll, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to. I mean, I hope it happens with Eric Halla. Uh, it I, could. I, it, it absolutely could, and I hope it. Uh, I hope it happens with Ryan Dezingle. Uh I think he's trying. Uh, my conversation right. with Ryan, he's trying, uh, and I've I've seen a little bit more of attention to. Uh, the defensive side of the puck, I think Rod has as well. And we'll see as long as that continues. I don't think we have to worry about uh, a lot of things. 
Um, and Dougie's going into a year where this will be coming up the last year of his contract. I know the team's interested. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if things got worked out this offseason. And Dougie Hamilton is around here uh, for a long time. So let's talk about, we'll close on uh, this element uh, as I point out that the standings are crazy. There are essentially six teams fighting for four spots in the Eastern Conference, with Washington, Pittsburgh, Boston, and Tampa, uh, I think, basically locks to make the playoffs. Uh, you've got Florida, who's played their way into a, uh, the third spot in the Atlantic. The Islanders, Columbus, Carolina, Philadelphia, Toronto, these teams are separated by six total points. Uh, only four of them are going to make the playoffs. So every night is absolutely important. We know this team needs a top four defenseman. We all agreed they needed a top four defenseman before Dougie Hamilton's injury. Can they get two? <laughs> I, I, I think it's going to be hard to acquire two. Um, I do. I, I do think Jake Bean's going to come up here, and I, I do mm-hmm. think they're going to give him an opportunity to play a little bit on the third pairing. And just see what has been an outstanding season. And a lot of people that are watching that league on a on a daily basis tell me he's the best defenseman in the American Hockey League yeah. right now. So how does it translate? And that'll be the key. Uh, similar to Julian Gauthier, how does it translate? It all sounds good. And in Gauthier's case, it looked really good in the preseason. Everything but his production. Right. <laughs> and so with Bean, if he if he looks the part. Can he be the part? And so that's one option just as an extra player. So they absolutely need seven defensemen here. They, they can't go uh, with the schedule and with the amount of ice time Slavin and Pesci are commanding Jeez. now. <laughs> you can't do it with these six. Right. You're going to have to have some flexibility. So like the forwards, the coach has an option to move a fresh guy in and out and make the group better. I think that's the most conventional and probably conservative in the way it should go for Jake Bean because he's earned this chance. And so you give him that chance, see where it goes. And I think they do make a trade. And I think they do acquire a legitimate National Hockey League defenseman that's probably a hybrid 4-5. I'm not seeing anybody giving up a prime top four defenseman. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't know where that deal is. It, it might be there. Maybe with a team like Minnesota, they have a couple of guys that they might move out of there. But if you're the uh, the new GM, if you're Bill Guerin, again, I don't know how much of your defense you want to sacrifice, you know, because you can never have enough of that. It's like pitching. Right. We talk about it all the time. <laughs> Look at this team. Strength in numbers. Good defensemen are really hard to find. So if they can strike a deal for a D-man, I think they will. But I think, again, it's the committee that will get the job done. I like the way they've played at them. I like the way that they're comfortable in one goal, low-scoring hockey. And I think they're going to be able to get to more um, creative stuff by getting back to better defensive principles. And by losing Hamilton, the only positive in losing a player like that is the fact that you have to dumb it down a little bit. Yeah. And you have to be a little bit more conservative defensively. And I think that's going to ha- And that means the forwards. That means mm-hmm. the forwards are going to have to recognize that they have a lot at stake here defensively, more than they've shown, certainly uh, before we, we got to this point in the Williams return. To me, that's where the disconnect had been with this team is they were just playing kind of a indifferent defensive game. They were scoring, and the goalies were good, and everything was great. And the goalies leveled off a little bit, 
and the scoring wasn't there, but the same stuff that was ailing the team when the goalies were great and when the scoring was present was still, that didn't mm-hmm. go away. And so that's what they have to fix, and I think that's Rod's challenge when they reconvene. Yeah, the uh, I was more impressed with the Winnipeg win because the Jets are so much more dangerous offensively, uh, and it didn't seem like the blue line really caved into that. Uh, right. There were chances, really, just in the second period. The third period was an elite period from Carolina in all phases. It was just a dominant third. It was the best period of the game. Uh, Carolina only got the one goal, but it was the best period of the game. Uh, I thought the first period where they scored three goals was just kind of a sloppy period where right. Carolina proved they can play an up-and-down game. I guess they played that with Winnipeg the last time, too. Uh, but the third period was really the good one, so it did give me some confidence that uh, there was enough in the uh, in in the cupboard, so to speak. Uh, but they do they do need another uh, at least, as you say, a hybrid. Uh, but I think the 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 amount of ice time we've seen from Pesci, although he's now a fighter, he is he is now the pugilist on the blue line. Joel Edmondson, take a seat. Um, This could be a a window for Brett Pesci to really emerge as uh, a star in this league. I I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see him some on the power play. I wouldn't either. And, and, you know, these guys, uh, it's only because uh, Hamilton, you know, his his offensive skills are, are so elite. And then the potential for Gardner, which hasn't been anywhere close to what they expect. Um. You know, and, and because of those two guys offensively, you know, it restricts players like Slavin and Pesci showing what they can really do. Um, Slavin is 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 gifted enough, I think, to to back it up with points. Mm-hmm. And I think he's a more simple guy on the power play. And it's more directional. And then you have Pesci, who is an outstanding player. I mean, he really is. But this is something that everybody will be late uh, to recognize, only because of the. Uh, um, again, the, the team he's on and, and a little bit of uh, the name recognition and all that in the way he plays. But uh, Falk and Pesci were so good <laughs> in the playoffs. That was, uh, was high-end stuff. And so now he's, uh, he's just being asked to uh, take it to another place. And I think you're right. I think he can. The only worry I have is, is the wear down. That's right. all. I just think the minutes are, are too much. And you're just you're just relying on on these guys. They're going to get their rest. They're going to have to practice differently, and they're going to have to make sure these guys have something in the tank, not only to get through and make it, but then get in the playoffs and and, and go deep again. Uh, that's why picking up a, a player or two here uh, before February 24th is very important. John Forsland, uh, I could call you Doctor John with your uh, with your Doctor yeah. Phil remark uh, earlier. Yeah. Uh, I thank you very much. And I know you uh, you've got a game Wednesday, uh, yes. but then we will see you Friday back here, Canes and the Vegas Golden Knights. It should be fun. Uh, a thirty game sprint to the finish, and I think Carolina's at least as good or better. Then all of the other six teams, in terms of their personnel, assuming they do fill a, a little bit of a void uh, on the back end, so there's no reason why they can't make the playoffs. Just no reason at all why they can't do it. So, uh, and who knows? Maybe they can finish third. Yeah, it's still doable. I mean, we keep losing sight of the, that that spacing between the Islanders and and the Canes or whoever's in third. That's still a reachable goal. So. Yeah. That's where you want to be. The unfortunate thing is, 
you're basically eighth, ninth, or tenth overall in the league, <laughs> and you can miss the playoffs. That's right. That's right. Such is the that's imbalance it, of the East and West. Right. Yeah. So anyway, that's life. And if I am a doctor, I'm a malpractice suit. Oh right no, 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 no. Uh, thank you so much, as always, and okay, uh, I'll see you soon. I thank John Forslund. Now, Bill Berniston is the essentially the conditioning guy for the Hurricanes. He creates the workout programs. He makes sure these guys are in shape. He does everything. And when Justin Williams was announced he was coming back, I said, I got to talk to this guy and find out from Bill just what he thought when he found out that a 38-year-old guy was coming back. Pretty much when he signed. You know, that's when, you know, we started, you know, talking to him and told him I was going to, you know, have to test him, and that's right. what we did yesterday. So pretty much I knew they were, they were talking about it, but really I was focused on the guys in the locker room. We, we didn't really have much of a contact with uh, with Justin, so I really wasn't wasn't told anything was going mm-hmm. you know, to get him ready or anything along those lines. What, uh, what are the challenges of somebody? If you were going to design a program for somebody who was trying to get back into this you know, to, to this level, and we know he, he'd been skating for two months almost. What are the challenges getting somebody ready? Well, I think it depends on the person. You know, for for me, I'm I would never be concerned with a guy like Justin Williams just because he's a, he's a pro and everything he does is is spot on. So I'm pretty confident he was doing all the right things. You know, right from the get go. Um, even you know, uh, in prior seasons, I never really had to keep tabs on Justin <laughs> in, in the summertime or anything along those lines. We we touch base all the time, um, you know, via text more or less, um, you know, how you doing, what's going on, those kinds of things. You know, he'd reach out, you know, text me something, you know, irrelevant to, to hockey or something <laughs> along those lines. But, yeah, um, that sounds like Justin. Yeah, just, um, you know, just staying connected and things of that nature. So, you know, there was really no concerns, you know, the guy... What are, you, what are the things that he does just routinely, you think, that keep him ready, especially at age 38? Well, he's active. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I know he's, uh, he's a golfer, he's a tennis player, mm-hmm. you know, so it doesn't necessarily mean he's got to be, you know, in the weight room or, you know, on the... You know, on the ice or anything along those lines, he's active, right? I mean, that's, that's usually what happens when people, uh, you know, people uh, when their fitness decreases, it's because they spend more time on the couch than they do, right. you know, moving. Um, <laughs> this guy's always moving, so I, I think those are the things that he does really well. And the other thing is, he takes care of his body, right? So you know, during the season, you know, he's a pro. He's doing all the soft tissue work and. He's making sure he listens to his body. He's making mm-hmm. sure that he's doing the right things. I'm pretty confident he does the same thing in, in the offseason. Um, so, you know, for me, I mean, his offseason, I guess, was just extended a, a right. little bit, right? So he, I don't think he was making many changes other than, uh, you know, I had heard that he was, uh, you know, skating and, um, you know, obviously have a relationship with, with Cam Ward and, and Tim Gleason and, you know, they would say, hey, I was on the ice with Willie today right. or something along those lines. So that's really kind of how I knew he was he was doing some things. Is the cardiovascular thing uh, more of a challenge or is it strength at this age? At, at his age, I would say it's probably a little bit more of uh, the cardiovascular aspect. I think at, at some point, 
you know, I, I'm sure that some of my colleagues, uh, as far as strength and conditioning coaches are concerned, they may argue with me, but, you know, at some point, you know, there's enough strength there, right? So you got to work more on the, the power aspect and, and applying that strength. Um, so these older guys, um, I guess I can call Justin an older guy. Sure. Before, right? but he, um, you know, I would say more the recovery, the cardiovascular, but that's never been an issue for, for him. Right. You know, so um, anyone else at that age, I'd probably be a little bit more concerned. But, you know, genetically, you know, he's... Somewhere along the line, his mom and dad gave him, gave him some good genes. And, <laughs> right. Uh, you know, that's never been an issue, you know, from a recovery standpoint, things of that nature. How does his, uh, I know he does a lot of yoga, how does that help him? Would you recommend yoga for younger younger players as well? Well, I think uh, it, it's And I don't important. know how much yoga he yeah. does anymore, but. No, he does, um, from what I understand. You know, like that's part of his summer you know, off-season routine. So, as I said, I'm pretty sure he, he continued with, with some of that. Um, but, yeah, mobility and, you know, his ability to get into what I refer to, what we all refer to as the parasympathetic nervous system, the ability to, to you know, relax and, mm-hmm. and drop down, even in between shifts and what have you. Uh, his ability to do that is, is phenomenal. Like, his heart rate um, really drops and then he gets... And then when it's time to go, he jumps back up on the boards and you get that sympathetic nervous system okay. cranking up a little bit. So the ability to, to go between those two is um, is is a skill. Um, and Justin really has that mastery. I think yoga helps him with that. Right, okay. And meditation, things of that nature. To put but range of motion is also important too, right? right? So flexibility and what have you. So yoga I would recommend really for... To put that just kind of so people understand it better, we're talking about the ability to, uh, you know, lower your heart rate. So after a shift, you go all out for 40 seconds or whatever it is. He has a a unique ability to, when when he comes back to the bench, to recover and his heart rate drops to a... Yeah, so part of that... Other people are like gasping. Yeah, yeah. Part of that's, you know, breathing. Right. You know, some belly breathing and deep breathing. Uh, and, and then part of that is conditioning. Okay. Right. So, I mean, you can, you know, be completely out of shape and try to lower your heart rate with breathing, and it's, you're probably not going to have the same results that mm-hmm. a, a guy like Justin Williams has. All right. Uh, final thing. Yeah. The... Um, every athlete, you know, we see it in spring training, baseball. And I know you, you're familiar with baseball. You do some work with USA Baseball. Uh, pitchers old, you know, they'll be great. And then three weeks into spring training, they go through like a dead arm period. Uh, every athlete hits a wall at some point, usually early in the season. What are we, what should we anticipate with Williams, um, although he has been training for probably two months? Should, should we anticipate any kind of wall that he's going to have to fight through? No, it's interesting that you bring that up because it's the first time we've ever heard of that. Really? You know, yeah, of athletes hitting a wall. Oh, so people are just I've making never... excuses to us who don't know better. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I've never really, you know, we, we do a, a pretty good job, you know, with our sports medicine staff, and we, we manage workloads so those things don't don't happen, don't, don't occur. Um, you know, so it's... Uh, you know, it's interesting that you say that. I mean, that might be more from a mental okay. breakdown than it is a physical, in, in, in my opinion. Um, but you know, from a from a mental standpoint, 
Justin Williams is a giant, you know, <laughs> right. and, and I'm not concerned about, you know, I, we look at, um, you know, always looking for our athletes to continue to peak. You know, we're looking to peak in April. We're not looking to peak, mm-hmm. you know, right now. So I, I don't see, I mean, of course you have your ups and downs in, in your season and what have you, but um, we try to manage our workloads. We'll do the same thing with Justin, and um, I don't anticipate any decrease or uh, you know, in performance or anything along those lines. How do you do in his conditioning test? He's a machine. <laughs> you know, Did he surprise you? Um, no. Okay. You know, um, he's always done done well, and you know, guys. Um, I think guys were riding. I think once he signed, it's my understanding, he got a couple of text messages oh, sure. that said he had to do the bike test before he was able to, you know, <laughs> come out with us. So uh, we did that yesterday, and you know, he was. Uh, it was interesting to me. Adam, that he actually did it after his 45-minute skate that he had. Really? Yeah, and he dominated it, you know, and in between. Where did he rank in the team? Uh, I don't have those numbers ahead, but that, that's really, in, in essence, that could be a pass-fail test. Too, okay. Right? So we're looking at, um, you know, getting two uh, half-mile sprints on the assault bike in under uh, 60 seconds, and he was able to do that. Two half-mile sprints in under 60 seconds. Correct. Combined with a co- combined, correct. So, well, no, so it'd be a, a total of 120 seconds, is what I'm oh, okay. Is. So, he uh, he was able to do that. I don't want to try that test. No, it's uh, <laughs> guys don't like it. Guys are, are not they're not thrilled with it. Um, you know, I, I can tell you one guy that does like it. And it's Rod Brendamore. Right. You know, it's uh, when was the last time he took it? Uh, he did it um, the same day we tested our guys here. So and he passed. Yeah. Yeah, he said he had to make sure. That's that, gross, isn't it? He said I had to make sure that I can pass this, so <laughs> nobody can. Uh, excuse my language here, but he said so no one can bitch. He said I know that. I know that it can be done. So that's awesome. Thanks, so. man. Bill Berniston, the uh, chief conditioning officer, if you will, of the Carolina Hurricanes, for uh, helping us out with that. Thanks to John Forslund once again. Do yourself a favor if you like the Canes Corner podcast, the Morning After podcast. Uh, they all come in the same feed. Uh, subscribe to it; it shows up in your phone automatically, so you won't miss anything. And I will promote the next one that's coming for Canes fans. Uh, a a very important fan group. Uh, is going away, getting rid of their own podcast. Uh, So we're going to talk to uh, a couple of the guys from Section 328 next week. So be on the lookout for that. So uh, I don't have a great relationship with Section 328. It could get messy. We'll have some fun, I promise. Enjoy the weekend. Good luck to Jacob Slavin in the All-Star Game. And we will see you next time on the Canes Corner Podcast. You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sportsfan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Canes Corner Podcast. Is getting your CPAP supplies a real pain? It doesn't have to be that way. Hi, I'm Brandon Giggling, president of Parkway Sleep Health Centers, and we are North Carolina's number one source for CPAP machines and supplies. Our streamlined process makes getting your CPAP as easy as one, two, three, and we ship anywhere in the state. If you're in need of a CPAP machine, supplies, a knowledgeable doctor, or a sleep study, Parkway has you covered. 
For information or to schedule an appointment, visit parkwaysleep.com. Sound sleep, sound health.